You are listening to Tell It From Calvary, a ministry of Calvary Baptist Church, New York City, where we preach Christ crucified, risen, and coming again. The following sermon is by Dr. Ed Stetzer, author, missiologist, and interim teaching pastor at Calvary. For upcoming events and services, visit our website at cbcnyc.org. And now, here is today's message. Well, hey, everybody. It's so good to open God's Word again and to continue our way through the book of Philippians. And I love the opportunity that we have to look to God's Word and to kind of work our way through this book of the Bible. And so if you don't mind, take out your Bible. If you already have it, great. If not, take out your Bible. Maybe you have a paper Bible. You can follow along a little easier. And we're going to look at Philippians chapter 2. That's Philippians chapter 2. And specifically what I want to look at today is Philippians chapter 2 and uh, verse beginning at verse 25. Right? We're going to look at verse 25 to 30. Here's what it says, right? I have thought it necessary to send Epaphroditus to you, Epaphroditus, my brother, and fellow worker, and fellow soldier, and your messenger, and minister to my need. For he has been longing for you all, and has been distressed because he heard, because you heard that he was ill. Indeed, he was ill, near to death. But God had mercy on him, and not only on him, but on me also, lest I should have sorrow upon sorrow. I am more eager to send him, therefore, that you may rejoice at seeing him again, that I may be less anxious." So receive him in the Lord with joy and honor such men, for he nearly died for the work of Christ, risking his life to complete what was lacking in your service to me. Okay, so this passage here brings up a new character. His name is Epaphroditus. Now, Epaphroditus is not a common name in the Bible, right? When we think of great people of God in the Bible, we think of Abraham and Moses and David. We think of Deborah, we think of Mary, and we think of Paul. And sometimes overlooked are people like Epaphroditus. He's only actually mentioned twice in the whole New Testament. Here in verse 25 and later on in chapter 4, verse 18. This is a story of an ordinary man. Some might even say kind of a nobody. Now, again, I don't use that term lightly or dismissively. We're going to explain it. But Epaphroditus was an ordinary man who was an extraordinary model to follow for us to see ultimately what it means to follow Christ. And and so when we hear about sort of extraordinary people, sometimes we forget that most of God's work is actually done by ordinary people, right? Not the famous people, right? Not not even just the pastors. You know, not not when you look at uh, Pastor David or you go go back uh, years earlier, Pastor Olford or Pastor Strayton and say, well, those were, they were used by God in great ways. And, and indeed they were. But sometimes we forget that the normal people, right? Kind of nobodies in the world's eyes are used powerfully by God. That's Epaphroditus here, right? That's Epaphroditus here. And I want you to remember that um, names that we might be forgotten to history, right? Names that we might not know have been used by God in powerful ways. Now, Epaphroditus is mentioned here, but there are all kinds of people, right? Um, think of someone like Harold uh, Gibbons. Come back to him a little bit later on, but just an ordinary guy, uh, used of God in some pretty fascinating ways, extraordinary ways. 
And so it is with Epaphroditus, right? He was a member of the fellowship at the Church of Philippi. Uh, his name actually comes from the goddess of love, Aphrodite, meaning lovely. So his, uh, and interesting is life is a lovely picture of Christ's likeness. And, and, and again, he had come with a gift from, uh, with a gift and a letter from Paul. Uh, from the church, to, excuse me, to visit Paul in prison. We see that later in First chapter 4, verse 18. So he'd come with a gift and a letter from the church uh, to visit Paul. And we'll talk about that later when we get there. Uh, Paul's letter includes an update on Epaphroditus, uh, on his recovery from a serious illness. Now, last week, we actually saw how Paul used uh, Timothy as an example of Christ. This week, we actually see Paul do the same with one of the, the Church of Philippi's very own people. Paul is sending back Epaphroditus without him knowing how this trial ultimately turns out. And we're going to take a look at Epaphroditus as an example for us. So to do that, we'll look at a couple things, kind of work our way through. And first, we'll come to uh, verse 25, verse 25. Um, in the text. Okay, so verse 25 is speaking specifically. It says, I have thought, I have thought it necessary to send to you Epaphroditus, my brother and fellow worker, fellow soldier, and your messenger and minister to my need. So he goes into some pretty specific details here, right, and gives some things about Epaphroditus. But he's a beautiful model of the kind of Christ like fellowship. That just an ordinary person, nobody in the world's eyes, used in powerful ways, right? So again, I thought it necessary to send to you Epaphroditus, my brother, fellow worker, fellow soldier, your messenger and minister to my need. If that sounds sort of um, choppy to you, it actually would sound that way in the first century as well. There's a point to it, right? There's a point to it. Paul uses actually five terms to describe Epaphroditus. He's a brother. He's a worker. He's a soldier, he's a messenger, and he's a minister. So those specific things describe who he is, right? Who he is to Paul, who he is to the church at Philippi, and more. So the, the first three are kind of um, ascending in focus, right? Uh, it's fellowship in, there's a brotherhood, that's the most uh, close. And then there's, uh, there's uh, you know, in, in the brotherhood's the most intimate. Then there's fellowship in work. And then there's fellowship and suffering, right? And we see the kind of building on that. And, and it's actually interesting. We, we see these kinds of words repeated elsewhere as themes in Paul's writing and actually throughout the whole Bible. Let's, let's take a look at a few of those as we go through, right? Just we can literally go through. It sounds a little uh, stilted because it says, I sent to you Epaphroditus, my brother and fellow worker and fellow soldier. And your messenger. Let's 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 look at them as we go, right, brother. Now this is a common description, right? It's as for our brothers, they are messengers of the churches, the glory of Christ. So there's an idea that there's a brotherhood at work here, right? And we would say the Greek word is actually a delphos, and we would actually say um, say 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 ultimately that um, this kind of camaraderie is a unique, significant camaraderie, but it doesn't end there, right? So then it's worker. Other places we see, we are God's fellow workers, right? We're, uh, you are God's field, God's building, but we are God's fellow workers. I think that's a picture that we can see. And then, then there's, there's another example he actually gives is soldier. For though we walk in the flesh, we are not waging war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not the flesh, but have divine power to destroy 
strongholds, right? So we we are actually seeing here, right? It's 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 he's kind of building on this, right? So it's a brother closer uh, than just Christian fellowship, but brother to brother, and then worker, right? Fellow workers in the gospel, and these other people he refers to this way too: Priscilla and Aquila, Timothy, Apollos, uh, Titus. Philemon, uh, Mark, and Luke. I mean, this is a recurring theme that there are fellow workers and then soldiers, right? A military term here, uh, meaning to fight side by side. They're willing to suffer for Christ, even as soldiers suffer for the greater cause. Paul was suffering here through persecution. Epaphroditus had suffered through sickness. So as soldiers, they had suffered together. And can I just tell you, you know, at Calvary Baptist Church, as we step into the future, as we follow Jesus on mission in challenging times, you know, this is not unlike the kind of conversations and the kind of calls that Christians have had for 2,000 years. And there are times where we rely on the brothership. It's in brotherhood. It's an honor to serve alongside you, sisters and brothers, right? And then there's the worker. We, we serve together. We talked about that last week. Timothy is a model of service and servanthood. And because we're going to make this through together at Calvary, we're going to do it because we're going to serve one another and serve a broken and hurting world. But then there's a soldier, right? There are times when we have to suffer together. And that's just part of the unfortunate reality in the world in which we live. Now, that doesn't end there, right? He's got this list, right? He says, um, Epaphroditus, my brother and fellow worker, and fellow soldier, and your messenger, and your messenger, right? Um, and again, this is a recurring theme too, right? Even here in Philippians, Paul says, let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come and see you or am absent, I may hear of you that you are standing firm in one spirit, with one mind, striving side by side for the faith of the gospel, right? So he, he's calling the Christians at Philippi earlier to actually be the kind of messenger that he's referring to Epaphroditus, right? So we see this clear sense of call. And, and of course, even that earlier passage, let, let's look at it again, right? It kind of has similar themes that we were talking about earlier, right? Where um, you're standing firm with one mind, striving side by side for the faith of the gospel. Kind of feels like some of what we talked about here, my brother, my fellow worker, my fellow soldier, and now you're a messenger, and ultimately, your minister. You're a minister. Again, now, now again, Philippians 4.18 is coming up, right? He's, he's now a minister, and it says this, I've received full payment and more. I'm well supplied, having received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent, a fragrant offering, a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God. So we know Epaphroditus is actually bringing something to Paul from the church at Philippi. Now, this is significant, too, both the messenger and the minister, because um, uh, prisons then didn't, like, provide uh, three meals a day like we would see today. Prisoners were dependent on outsiders to help meet their needs, and Epaphroditus did so, right? He came, and, and, and here's the thing. That's important for us to recognize that Christian sisters and brothers have needs and we can meet them. We do some of those through our through our church already, the good work of our of our deacons. Remember, the whole book of uh, Philippians starts while talking about elders and deacons, right? And boy, even now, so many people got caught up in the pol politics of the day and division. And and our message is 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 not driven by external realities. It's we're messengers of the gospel. And we're ministers of the good news. That's what describes 
and defines us. And Paul and Epaphroditus both serve the Lord faithfully uh, as his ministers, right? So, so, so again, now, <laughs> would that describe you, right? I mean, remember, Paul's holding up Timothy and Epaphroditus as examples. I'm going to give more on that in just a minute. But he's clearly holding them up as examples. And we think about Epaphroditus, and he was a brother. Are we a brother or brother-sister, or are we kind of a busybody? Are we a worker or a whiner? Are we a soldier or a slacker? A messenger, or are we just the messaging we're bringing is gossip and complaining? Are we a minister, or are we just mean? I don't know. But again, Epaphroditus' description is a great description. I mean, there's a reason he uses these terms. He's trying to say this is, in just a minute, we're going to see specifically, this is what it looks like to be a follower of Christ, right? So Epaphroditus is a brother, a worker, a soldier, a messenger, and a minister. So a reminder for us that, you know, here at Calvary, you know, thank, thank God for the, the church family that we have, pulling together, showing and sharing the love of Jesus. But, you know, we're not just the objects of ministry. No, no, no. By that, I mean, we're not just the people who receive ministry, right? Though, though there are times and places where we can and do and should, right? But we're also partners in the ministry. So when we hear the description that Paul gives, and he talks about a brother, a worker, a soldier, a messenger, and a minister, and we know that he's using this as an example of what it means to be a model of this, then it speaks to us as well. Matter of fact, let's go on to number two uh, on our outline. And that's ultimately, it's a beautiful model of faithfulness, right? So uh, we started first and foremost where we looked at kind of the, the life and the example and the description that Paul gives of Epaphroditus. Uh, but here we actually get a little more in detail. So we started with the beautiful model of fellowship, right? And now we're going to look at a beautiful model of faithfulness, a beautiful model of faithfulness. And that's, of course, um, Epaphroditus' faithfulness. Now, it's kind of interesting because the way he describes, if you pay close attention, there's some really fascinating things going on here that I don't want you to miss. It says this, for he has been longing for you all and has been distressed because you heard he was ill. Don't miss that first sentence. Epaphroditus is not worried because he's ill. He's worried because they heard he was ill and they might be distressed. I don't know about you, but I am not a good sick person. Uh, Donna, Donna, she, um, she describes my sicknesses when I have a cold, she calls it a man cold, right? So, and a man cold is, uh, it appears based on what she's saying, an exaggerated version. She has the same cold. She, she keeps going on. I get a man cold and it's like the world stops. I don't know. I've heard that maybe that's not an uncommon thing among some of us. Maybe, uh, maybe, you know, somebody who kind of, when they get sick, it's kind of like the world has to stop. Well, this is just the opposite. Right, Epaphroditus is so focused on others. But let's look at it again. It says, for he's been longing for you all and has been distressed because you heard that he was ill. Indeed, he was ill, near to death. But God had mercy on him, and not only on him, but me also, lest I should have sorrow upon sorrow. Now, I want you to look here. First of all, we kind of saw the level of concern, the kind of person Epaphroditus is. May, may I be that kind of person? May you be that kind of person? the kind of person who cares more about others, who literally is worried that you might be worried about them rather than them being worried or me being worried about myself. Uh, but what's also here too is that clearly 
um, there's something you're supposed to see here, right? There's something you're supposed to see. Now, let me tell you a little bit about um, things you're supposed to see in the Bible, right? Uh, there's no secret numerical codes in the Bible. Uh, if someone says they discovered a secret numerical code, uh, they've really discovered kind of a way to bring attention to themselves. There's, um, there are things written in the Bible that are hard to understand, things written in the Bible that are veiled, but there are not things in the Bible that are shockingly secret codes. Matter of fact, um, there are many times when the authors of Scripture, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, there's in a sense two authors, right? The human author and the divine author. They're trying to illustrate something. So let's, let's look here at this passage again. It says this. It says, um, it says, he was ill, near to death, but God also had mercy on him, and not only on him, but on him, but me also, lest I should have sorrow upon sorrow. Now, if you recognize that we weren't, we, we're, we're in Philippians chapter 2. And the way they'd be doing this at church is they'd actually be reading this out loud. And they would say things about how Jesus humbled himself by coming obedient to the point of death. Even death on the cross, God then God highly exalted him. And if you think that sounds familiar to what we just heard, that God had mercy on Indeed, he was ill, near to death, humbled himself to the point of death. But God had mercy on him, or God highly exalted him. That's, that's not a mistake. Um, you are intended to see those things, right? So, and I, I, I actually get, I always get a kick out of um, when there's things like this we're supposed to see, because it kind of reminds me of, um, there are um, things in the world around us that are hidden in plain sight. Hidden is not even the word. You're supposed to see it. Let, let, me, let me give you, let me give you an example. Here's um, a logo. And if you work for uh, UPS or DHL or something else, just stay with me for just a second. But if you look at this logo, you will notice that uh, that if you look closely, that the capital E and the lowercase x actually form, some of you have already seen this before, but it forms an arrow. In other words, FedEx is getting you, I'm just doing a commercial for FedEx, I don't mean to, but the arrow is getting you, is getting you somewhere, right? So, so, so this is actually, you're intended to see this, right? So this is, you're supposed to notice the arrow. It's a clever part of their logo, but that's not the only example, right? How about this one? Um, Baskin Robbins has, maybe you guessed it, it has 31 flavors, right? So look, look, look in the middle, right? Look kind of in the central area right there, right? Right here, 31, right? So maybe, maybe that's the first time you notice that. Maybe you've seen it a hundred times, but you're supposed to notice this. It's there intended for you to see it. Maybe you've seen this logo for the Bronx Zoo in our own New York City, right? So, um, and if you if you look closely, um, you may have noticed that the uh, kind of the under the under the gorilla and under the giraffes are actually city skylines, right? You can actually see uh, the Statue of Liberty, for example, in the kind of the back third of the gorilla. You can see these significant landmarks. Now, why is that there? Because some super clever marketing person, right? I mean, if there's not a more famous place for marketing in New York City, right? Just think of Madison Avenue and all the, the marketing that we talk about. Um, you're supposed to see those things. They're clever logos. So this is not clever in the same way, but this is intended to be here so that you might see, and I might see, that Epaphroditus is the example of Christ. Paul is using Epaphroditus as an example of Christ. 
a nobody in, by the world standards is the beautiful model of faithfulness, right? This is not a puzzle. Uh, don't buy books about secret Bible codes. Epaphroditus was worried that, that they were worried about him. He's concerned because they're worried about him. And we don't know how he got sick or how they knew, but something happened maybe on the trip, someone going back to tell them. And then what happens is, um, he's, it's, we, we don't know all the details, but it's Paul's example now, after using Timothy's example, he now uses Epaphroditus' example to show us what it looks like to live for Jesus. Somebody that probably not a whole lot of people heard of, Epaphroditus. And again, you don't have to stand in front of a group of philosophers like Paul in Athens or the den of lions like Daniel in the Old Testament. Paul gives just reasons for sending Epaphroditus. He, is, he was longing for the brethren, right? Uh, common term Paul used to so yearn for or long for. And his distress about their concern over his sickness. Um, and, and again, by the way, distress is a strong word too. It's, it's only used in the New Testament here and of Jesus' agony in the Garden of Gethsemane. So here's the thing. Here's the, here's the message, right? Um, it's not just, okay, there's a shocking thing going on in the text. No, no, no. I mean, clearly Paul is trying to let us see he was sick to the point of death but God had mercy on him. Jesus, who was obedient to the point of death, but God highly exalted him. So, but I, I don't want us to miss that from our perspective, Epaphroditus is kind of a nobody. He's somebody that is only mentioned twice, probably connected to the local church there, um, doesn't have a big reputation. He's kind of somebody that maybe you mentioned, he, again, he's, he's kind of a, a Harold Gibbons, a character that Man, I don't know if I recognize that name, but what did he do that was significant? Well, that leads us to, to number three on our outline, is a, um, is a beautiful model of focus. A beautiful model of focus, right? Let's take a look back to the text. Take a look back to the text, and here's what it says. We, we see it in Philippians. We're now in chapter 2, verse 27 through 30. Here's what it says. It says, um, indeed, he was ill near to death. But God had mercy on him, not only on him, but on me also, lest I should have sorrow upon sorrow. I am more eager to send him, therefore, I am more eager to send him, therefore, that you may rejoice at seeing him again, and I may be less anxious. So receive him in the Lord with all joy and honor such men. Well, wait a second. God highly exalted Christ. Now the Philippians are being told to honor such men and nobody people I never heard of, right? But something's going on here. Honor such men, for he nearly died for the work of Christ, risking his life to complete what was lacking in your service to me. Okay, so, so we get the picture here, right? So something pretty remarkable is um, going on here. Um, these are not just travel plans. Remember, I told you last week, this is part of the travel log, or two weeks ago, I told you it's part of the travel log. Um, but these are not just travel plans. These are truth pictures. Epaphroditus showed his fellow Philippians what it looked like to be focused on serving Christ above everything else. In a day when so many are being discipled by their social media and their cable news, man, we can heed his example as well. Rejoice at seeing him again. Receive him in the Lord with all joy. Focus on what matters most, close, intimate, relationship with brothers and sisters in Christ and the joy that we share. Paul's giving a model for us to follow that I may be, he says, less anxious. And focusing on Christ helps us to rejoice and remove anxiety, right? And again, we, we recognize that there may be times when we're unable to break out of that and 
And, and we believe here at Calvary that there are times to get counseling and engage at a deeper level and mental health issues are very, very real. But this is talking about that kind of everyday anxiety that we can go through that Christ relieves us of. If you have more than that, reach out to our pastors. We can help make connections for you as well. But again, Paul was human. He was worried about the churches, right? Now remember, he tells us be anxious for nothing. So he keeps giving it to the Lord. But knowing that Epaphroditus, that knowing the faithful Epaphroditus would return to the church and bring them joy would actually lift his worry and anxiety. Honor such men, he says, honor such men. Sometimes we honor people formally for their role, but Paul, like Paul was an apostle or like a pastor today, but sometimes we honor people informally for their actions, like Epaphroditus' devotion to the Lord, right? Now, now again, Paul pulls no punches on describing the severity of his illness, right? We don't know all the details. And, and, and again, people do get sick. And, and I know that Christian, allegedly Christian preacher on television says that, well, we never get sick if we just trust Jesus. That's just not real. That's not how it works. And he's risking his life here to complete what was lacking in your service to me is what Paul points to, right? So again, our role models don't have to be athletes. They don't have to be who make more than maybe they're, 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 they're worth. Actors who play roles that aren't real. Politicians who make promises they don't intend to keep. Our focus should be like that of the New Testament. Here's a nobody who's somebody because he met Jesus. And he changed him and he used him for his glory. And again, this shouldn't surprise us. This is the kind of uh, discussion that we ultimately would expect from Paul, right? So, so again, uh, a beautiful model of focus, right? I'm eager to send you again. You may rejoice at seeing him. I may be less anxious. Receive him in the Lord with joy. Honor such men. Well, what kind of men is he talking about? Well, the kind of people who are sold out to Jesus, for to me to live is Christ and to die is to gain, Paul would write in the same book of Philippians. Or, or, or maybe this way, you know, maybe you think, well, you know, Epaphroditus is he's known because he's in the Bible and he's he is. But, you know, is it bad to be known? Um, you know, I serve at the Wheaton College Billy Graham Center, and when you go into the Billy Graham section of the museum, Mr. Graham insisted that the Billy Graham Center. Museum of Evangelism, not be about Billy Graham. And when you walk into the museum section that's about him, I mean, he talks about his life, and there's actually a, a pulpit that he used at a crusade. There's actually a verse that sits right, that right as you walk into that section, here's what it says. It says, look to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy was set before him, before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. So don't miss this, right? So Billy Graham says it's not about him. Epaphroditus wasn't about him. Paul really is not about him. It's ultimately about Jesus, which is why this passage is so powerful when it actually points to, well, this reality of this example of Jesus. So Epaphroditus is a picture of what Jesus is doing in the same chapter, right? Being found in the human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. So why would he not then say, so walk in love? That's what Epaphroditus is doing. Walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us. And so then beautifully, if there's nobody who's nobody anymore. We're all somebody in Christ. That's why 
Paul refers to this as being parts of the body. For as in one body, we have many members. The members don't all have the same function. So we, though many, are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. So everybody at Calvary, every single one of us, we're in this together. Um, Timothy and Epaphroditus are not in here because we needed details about where they were going. This is the travel log, but they, they're examples of Christ. And he's about to kind of break open a little bit of a can of stomp in just a few minutes, uh, just a few weeks in our timetable as we go through the book. And But he's giving examples of not worrying about yourselves, but ultimately focusing on Jesus. So, I mean, unknown names, right? It's interesting. I was actually reading through our Tell It From Calvary, our, 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 our history here, right? And so as you go through it, you'll, you'll see a lot of um, interesting things. But it's a lot about pastors because that's kind of how historians often write. But I noticed this kind of strange thing because I've been thinking about the uh, thinking about the, the West 57th Street facility, thinking about the, the hotel and all the fascinating that was a part of that, right? Here's, um, here's what just as br- briefly mentioned, right? General Manager Harold C. Gibbons, General Manager of what? He said the improvements were far from cosmetic, extended to the Hotel Salisbury, also in need of an overhaul. Sound familiar? General Manager Harold Gibbons recaptured the original vision of a truly Christian hotel, a place where visitors could be both spiritually and physically ministered to. Closed-circuit TV was installed, enabling guests to tune in to the church services. Um, Each of the 320 rooms underwent a facelift and was furnished with taped sermons, taped sermons, I love that, gospel literature, sacred music, and an attractive Bible supplied by the New York Bible Society. That's interesting because... um, we think about this person that maybe maybe you know his name. I don't know what happened to him. We don't know what happened to Epaphroditus. We don't know if it ended well for him. We don't know if it ended badly for him. We just know he's mentioned twice. And I could find actually two references in the whole world to Harold C. Gibbons. Uh, one is actually here in this book. And the other is actually contained in um, a little magazine. And in this little magazine, it refers to him being a hotel manager and meeting with Stephen Olford and Billy Graham. Just having this conversation with Stephen Olford and um, Billy Graham. That's all we know about him. Here's the thing. Um, I don't know how Epaphroditus ended up. I don't know how he started. I don't know much about him. I don't know Harold Gibbons. I know I know the hotel had its challenges. You know, God used it in his time, and then it became a struggle, and... But isn't that the way it is with the Lord? God will use different things in different ways and in different times. In the midst of all that, God uses people. We may be here once, maybe here twice, but God uses them. God, here's the key, Epaphroditus was not exceptional. He was ordinary. He's just a model. He's an example that Paul's using, pointing us to Christ. And he's like what Paul is telling the people of Philippi to be like to be like Jesus. So as we leave this message, can I just encourage you? We don't have to, may God, maybe God will use us like he used Billy Graham. Maybe God will use us like he used Harold Gibbons. Maybe God will use us like he used Epaphroditus. Maybe God will use us like unnamed women and men throughout the Bible. But in the midst of all that, ultimately, the reminder is, as we humble ourselves, we don't worry about ourselves first. We focus on Jesus and others. And like a paraphroditus, let God worry about ultimately what happens with our name, ultimately happens with our reputation. 
ultimately happens with what we served, what we created, and what we did. Because God in his time, he's got a plan and he needs more Epaphroditus, just like you and just like me. Pray with me. Father, we acknowledge today that the reminder here is so clear. Help us to be like Jesus. To humble ourselves so we might ultimately put you first, put others before ourselves, and you might be glorified in our lives. Thank you for Epaphroditus. We don't know much about him. Thank you for his gospel witness. May you be glorified because we heard of him today and we grew to be more like Christ in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to Tell It From Calvary. For more information, to connect, make a prayer request, or make a contribution, go to our website at www.cbcnyc.org or call us at 212-975-0170. We hope you'll join us next time as we continue to Tell It From Calvary.